Welcome to our NFP HR Technology Podcast. Join your host, Mark Ryder, as we give you the latest information, guidance, and direction to help you grow your success within this ever-changing industry. Hey there. Welcome back to NFP's HR Technology Podcast Series, Episode 2. Uh, we appreciate you taking the time to log back in and, uh, and take a listen. I am joined today by Steve Goldberg. Uh, Steve joined us on the first podcast and uh, has agreed to come back and and uh, dive a little deeper into one of the topics that we ended the call with, and that is the advancements in the HR technology, where we see the market moving over the next couple of years, and what the future has in store. So, Steve, thanks for thanks for taking the time. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, Mark. Thanks for having me. So, on the call last series, last call uh, in the series, we spoke about what we believe to be some of the most impactful advances in HR technology over the course of the last few years that have really uh, come to surface and, and have been prevalent within the systems and have really allowed for systems to uh, become more and more uh, powerful and uh, outcome-producing from an organizational perspective. And, and we spoke of, I think you used the acronym SMAC, and that was Social, Mobile, Analytics, and Cloud. And I think both you and Vince touched on those three different aspects and, and really made a case for why they have made the, cha- the impacts that they have made and how they've changed the market. But we ended the call talking about where we felt the future was going to be and what was in store for us from a systems perspective. And I really pointed more towards the roadmap and what might be coming down the line three or five years. And I think a you spoke about uh, two topics in particular that I, th- I thought were pretty interesting um, that I think a lot of our audience might be interested in hearing more about, uh, and uh, and they were um, uh, AI, I believe, and predictive analytics. Maybe you could uh, you know, take a minute and expand on those two topics, Steve, and, and, and we'll dive into each one of them separately, but if you could just give a little bit of a background on each one of those um, uh, topics, that would be really great. Yeah, my pleasure. And uh, stop me anytime when you want me to uh, kind of drill up or drill down, as it were. So, yeah, you know, as a uh, as an observer, but also a, a, a practitioner and and a vendor executive in this space for a long time, I would say that the two themes you mentioned, artificial intelligence and um, certainly predictive analytics and predictive capabilities, uh, analytics. Um, when we talk predictive, it can be a capability or an analytic. But those two areas, in my opinion, have the distinct potential of totally surpassing all the other advances that we've seen to date in a, in a landscape that's now kind of taken shape and evolved over 30 to 5 or 40 years. Uh, so let's let's uh, start with a little bit of a, let's say, a 20,000-foot look at those two because, um, as you've alluded to it in our conversations, there's a lot of uh, FUD, another acronym, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. What do they mean? What do they mean to me and my job? Uh, should my organization seriously be looking at these capabilities? Are the vendors, have the vendors perfected them? Uh, et cetera. So let's start. Yeah, and then Steve, I, 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 yeah. I will tell you, I, I'm probably one of them as well that that, that looks and hears of these, uh, you know, this different the names of of some of these uh, features that are coming down the line, and really feel like it's a a movie. 
to be honest with you, hear AI and, and not thinking of something that is actually going to occur within their systems today. I, and, and I think there's fear. Um, so maybe if you could start off when we're talking about AI and, and bots and things that kind of roll up into that category, just starting off with a simple definition might be really helpful for the audience and uh, helping to, to kind of maybe squash some of the fears. I, I'm staring at the, the, the business and finance section of the Wall Street Journal from uh, last Monday, July 17, 2017, and here's a, an article on that front page talking about Tesla's boss warns of AI. Um, basically suggesting that uh, and, and warning of the potential dangers of AI and the need for some regulatory body to be formed. And, and the way that they paint this out, it, it almost sounds like it feels like the movies that the computers are going to take over the world. So maybe you could help uh, squash some of the fears and uh, enlighten our audience with just some definitions, basic definitions so that we can really focus in on what we're really talking about here. Sure, uh, be happy to. So artificial intelligence is really a broad set of capabilities that uh, is best uh, understood just by breaking down the capabilities into different uh, kind of uh, niche capability areas. So artificial intelligence in the form of a personal assistant or a virtual assistant or virtual employee uh has come a long way since uh I don't know 2011 when you know somebody would have said something to Siri Google's uh, AI uh conversational partner if you will uh and if that person would have said to Siri hey Siri please call me an ambulance uh Siri would have actually erroneously responded with okay Harry from now on I'll call you an ambulance so you know, that's only uh, six years away, but there's been a ton of progress since then. And, and, and so for quick uh, clarity's sake, here's another R, uh, acronym, but it's, it's really um, uniformly adopted out there, RPA, Robotic Process Automation. And RPA involves basically technology completing tasks that were typically handled by human staff and, uh, and will in the future a lot of it might be handled by a hybrid staff of human and machines. Let me give concrete examples. So one example uh, in using robotic process automation, uh, and it's, uh, in my opinion, probably going to be the number one example that people talk about or use case that people reference, and it's moving and manipulating and consolidating data and information. And that information could be structured, you know, numbers uh, with clear definitions uh, in the same format, or it could be unstructured data like what you find in somebody's LinkedIn profile or um, or profile on, on Facebook, or sentiment data that uh, organizations are, uh, you know, are trying to get out in front of keeping a, a finger on the pulse of employee engagement by having tools which look at what's being said in emails and these are, in a sense, this is a blind capability. You're not looking to implicate any particular individuals. You're just trying to keep a finger on the pulse of what's being talked about in the company, what are the hot topics, trending, et cetera. So that's unstructured data. So, again, one a big example of using robotic process automation is to move, to manipulate, consolidate data, structured or unstructured data. And I'll add one more dimension to that. RPA is governed by rules, and the rules... Uh, can be fairly simple or complex. So, you know, there's a lot of dimensions here. 
Okay, then... Um, well, Steve, let me interrupt you. Could, yeah. could you give us an example um, of, sure. of, of how this might apply you know, in an HR yeah, technology sure. space? Yeah, so I use the word curation because that's bringing data together from different sources. So, uh, so let's say I'm uh, a new employee and uh, I'm about to embark on my benefits enrollment. And uh, so uh, let me just... Uh, I have to kind of open up a bracket here and segue slightly to the type of artificial in- intelligence uh, that people call uh, bots or chatbots or conversational uh, robots. Um, and in fact, HR vendors are now using the phrase conversational HR. So when you combine robotic process saying, I'm sorry, Steve. Are you saying that they are all technically the same? Um, you know, I think one of the things that happens in, in this space is, is uh, there are 10 different words or acronyms that technically could be meaning the same thing. So yeah, when you talk point. about, so, yeah, are you saying that a bot may be exactly the same as somebody saying conversational HR, but just a, a new way of saying it? Yeah, certainly in the in the realm of an employee trying to get information, trying to get questions answered, trying to kick off some sort of uh, task and, and get the system like a benefits enrollment task. And and basically, instead of calling and prevailing upon the HR department, maybe getting a call back or an email back sometime later, you're now using your phone in, in, in most cases, and that's the ideal situation, just typing in a couple of words saying, uh, just joined uh, want to enroll in benefits. And so this capability is out there. A number of vendors are demoing it. Some of their customers are piloting it. And so that is conversational HR. You can call it a bot. It's anonymous or a chat bot. And, and really what's driving that type of conversation where the employee is saying something like PTO request or how do I enroll in benefits and getting a very pointed, accurate response back, what's driving it is the combination of RPA, robotic process automation, and uh, messaging apps. So messaging apps or text, like texting is a messaging app. Slack is is a messaging app. Facebook Messenger, Microsoft Teams, these are all messaging apps. When you combine a messaging app with robotic process automation, that results in this conversational capability where the bot, just to put a word on what's responding back to you, really, uh, where the bot is, is responding back. And it may respond back based on a very simple rule. And the rule may be all full-time employees that are eligible for benefits send them this link, and the link is to different summary plan descriptions, but, but the same link is being sent to every employee. So there's no real intelligence um, being brought to bear by the bot. Now the next level of bot is what I call a supercharged bot. Now a supercharged bot, and that's my own uh, way of, of kind of segmenting these capabilities because there's no standards out there. Um, I suspect there may not be standard definitions for another year or two. But a supercharged bot is is one that is able to use cognitive capabilities and think and digest more complex rules. So, for example, in the scenario of I just enrolled, 
I would like to enroll in benefits. Instead of just sending me a link, which is very straightforward, you know, driven by a rule that was programmed into this so-called bot that says, well, full-time, just answer the question, yes, no, full-time employee, yes, send them this link. Very simple. But, uh, but the bot, a supercharged bot, has the capability of personalizing that and making it a more meaningful interaction and one which is going to result in a more productive and satisfied person at the other end, an employee. So how does it do that? Because it's going to look at the HR system, see uh, what uh, data points are relevant to that benefits enrollment transaction. Might be the person's salary level, their age, et cetera. Uh, you know, where they are uh, in the country, of what uh, plans they're going to they're be eligible to tap into in those parts of the country, et cetera. So the supercharged bot is then going out and getting information very, very quickly and saying, here's information. It's not just a link. It'll streamline the process for you because we, we know you're 32 years old, you're married, you have four kids, and you live in Ohio. Uh, that may seem like an invasion of privacy, but who wouldn't? But the HR department, if it was a person, would be doing the same thing. If they were good at their job, they wouldn't just send you a link that applies to everybody. So uh, I'll stop there uh, and, and pause for a second and uh, ask if there's any questions, or I can give some other examples that may round out the picture. Yeah. So would another example be um, somebody requesting PTO time? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then being able to you know put in that request via the chat bot. Um, would your supercharged bot then in turn also look at that person's calendar and realize that there were some conflicts and potentially reschedule a meeting that was on the books for the day that I requested off? Is that capability coming down the line? Uh, it's not just coming down the line, but a few vendors have already uh, offered it to their uh, customers, and we're really talking about this calendar year and maybe even the last three months that this is uh, – uh, a scene out there. So I've had vendors uh, just demo this for me on their phone. It's extremely impressive. Uh, and it's exactly the way you articulated it. Uh, it'll come back and say, okay, uh, Mr. and Ms. So-and-so, uh, you're applying for three days. Let me check and make sure you have three days coming to you. Yes, you do. When would you like to take them? These uh, three days next week, Wednesday to Friday. Uh, okay. So uh, I will now, this is the bot talking back, I will now send in, uh, a quick email to your boss just to get approval, and then away we go. Now, here's where it can get interesting, though, uh, and it's beyond that other point you made about checking um, uh, that uh, there's no conflict. You know, did this, did this uh, individual that's, that's applying for PTO, did they have a meeting that's a, a mandatory meeting for all for all people uh, in their job or, you know, it's just a critical meeting, a quarterly meeting. And and then the, the bot can come back after checking the calendar and saying, uh, are you sure? We looked at the calendar. You do have this. Okay, so that's probably where most people would say it should end, and it should not get more invasive than that because you can argue it's not invasive at all. It's just value-add coming out of the bot. Where it could cross the chasm and get slightly invasive is where the bot, and there is potential for this, and some organizations may go this far. The bot will go out, check a different system, project management planning uh, system, if you will, and say, you know, we just happened to notice, sir, that uh, while everything is clear and you could take the PTO, your project looks to be one month late, and there's a big steering committee coming up. You're sure this is a good idea? Now, 
that's where some people would say we're getting creepy and the body is crossing into creepy territory. Um, it's good that we have these boundaries that people are agreeing to, but we're going to see these boundaries being pushed a little bit um, and, and hopefully stopping short of, of that creepy territory and just adding value. I guess the, the the one thing I guess we can just wrap up the conversation about the uh, the AI and move into the predictive analytics space. But in the setup of these systems, uh, many of our our folks on the line probably have set up benefits administration systems in the past and other PTO tracking systems. <clears throat> does does the construction of these bots? Uh, Add significantly to implementation, or is it the the thought that the rules that are being built in a self-service application are the same rules that are being t- um, pulled from in the in the the bot type environment? So it's really not adding much to the implementation because we all know implementation is a four-letter word to many. Yeah, it's a very very good question, and, and I would say that. Um, I'm not aware of any implementations of HR systems that are incorporating AI into the initial phase of the implementation. It just uh, It's not just going to add complexity and elongate the implementation cycle time. It's going to perhaps be a distraction for a lot of people because AI as a, as a topic is, is causing apprehension and some and concerns out there about job loss and what have you. So, uh, you know, no need to no need to make the change management effort more daunting than it is. Uh, and so, I, as a consultant, would recommend most of my colleagues would recommend don't bring AI in in step one. Uh, talk about it as a vision statement for a future phase. When you get there, uh, I think companies are going to be pleasantly surprised that the implementation cycle can literally be a couple of weeks. For a bot, and in fact, I was talking to uh, EY, who used to be called Ernst and Young, and one of their HR leaders a couple of days ago, and uh, they said that once they put a small team on it, they were able to uh, design and build and uh, start prototyping bots in all areas. Well, a lot of areas of HR administration, things like uh, applying for a, a visa for people that are not U.S. nationals. Uh, tra- approving travel requests and that sort of thing. And they just built uh, about 35 of these that they are, uh, that they're prototyping, you know, so they're not fully in production. And they did it in, uh, in probably a 90 day period. They built 35 with maybe a team of six, seven people. So, uh, I, again, I would not do it in phase one, but it's not going to be that difficult. Now, the, the caveat, it's not going to be that time consuming. The caveat is where you're going Beyond task completion and conversational capabilities with or without structured data, unstructured data, and complicated rules or simple rules, and then you get into machine learning. And machine learning really takes it even further, and that's really where you're getting into true AI. Because you could say a chatbot is not is the lowest level of AI. When you get into the highest level of AI, you're going to have machine learning. Uh, and machine learning is um, machines learn quicker than people. Let's put it that way. That same individual at EY told me that some of these um, bots that they're uh, AI slash bots that they're introducing are learning at five to ten times the speed of humans. 
So, again, I wouldn't worry about all jobs being replaced by any means. I think in the end we'll see more jobs being created, but there'll be different types of jobs. But um, So machine learning, here's an, a very concrete example, is I travel a lot. I uh, submit uh, a, a travel expense form. It always has five standard items on it. I left out one item. And so the machine knows that I always have a cab when I go to the airport, and it's going to come back and say you left something out. Uh, uh, or time entry. You know, for three months I've been charging my time to two different projects or two different clients as a consultant. It'll come back and say, well, I guess one of those projects ended because you didn't have the time for that. So that's low-level machine learning, but it can be much more complicated than that. Now, yeah. it's also a good I, I, okay. to talk about predictive capabilities because predictive capabilities are based on machine learning as well. But go ahead. No, I mean, I was actually going to... Uh, take that segue as well, um, because I think as you're starting to talk about machine learning, you're start, starting to talk about a system using data to drive an outcome um, or to drive a process as opposed to, you know, I think a lot of us, if you take what you had just mentioned around chatbots, it seems like more of a, 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 a give one, take one. You know, we're going to say that, you say this, and kind of building a workflow, whereas Predictive analytics, which is the other topic that you had brought up as being, uh, you know, on the on on the, the future roadmaps of many, seems to be more of a system acting on data and and making some predictions right. based on history. <clears throat> I think that uh, you know, system learning. Many people might even be um, uh, engaged in that today. I think I mentioned in the last call when I go out to my car in the evening, it tells me how long it's going to take me to get home. It doesn't know I'm going home, but it's learning that's where I've been going. There's a pattern, so it's going to take the chance that that's where I'm going and give me a little bit of advice yeah. as to how long it's going to take me to get there. And I think that's, you know, if I had to put this into maybe some everyday terms that people in the other line can understand, but I would use that as an example. But let's let's talk about predictive analytics and, and dive a little bit into what that actually is, um, <clears throat> where you see that, and uh, how you see it applied you know, to HR technology in, in general. Sure. Thanks. So I would say somewhere around a dozen years ago, HR tech companies started to integrate assessment tests into their systems, probably more than a dozen years ago. But but a dozen years ago roughly is when the purpose of the assessment test was to do something predictive in nature. And uh, so it's not just an, uh, a test for intelligence, but but you know, kind of more complex, uh, let's say, correlations and predictive relationships started to get looked at, like who's going to be a job, a good job fit, a good fit for the job, what candidates. And then over the last few years, that's gotten more granular with uh, some of these assessment tests and and also uh, not as onerous for the candidate to take. So it's not a one-hour investment of time, but maybe five questions. Maybe five questions were validated as, depending on how the person answers these questions, the machine has learned that this will be a clear green versus yellow or red situation in terms of a job fit. And when, when I started to say getting more granular, we, it's not just in a broad sense job fit. It might be job fit for cult, good fit for team culture, good fit for the team, good fit for the role, good fit for an organization that's in a period of, of intense change. Uh, etc. So job fit is generally where things started. And then a couple of years ago, something called retention risk 
started to uh, rear its head and and predicting which employees, particularly key employees, because that's who you, you care most about, key employees in critical roles, who among them are at risk of leaving. Frankly, if you think about it, while this is bringing science to HR, there's some fairly common sense, logical variables that are going to correlate with that, right? People that are, uh, you know, A players that have been invested in in all ways, but it's been five years since they got a promotion. Somebody that just moved from a very short commute to a long commute. Someone that just went from having an experienced mentor as a manager to a very inexperienced person right out of college. Whatever these, these hypotheticals. But, but you can imagine there's, there's, there's some logical correlates for predicting retention risk. And basically retention risk and job fit were the only two I personally saw out there until about a year ago as well. Around the same time we started to see more stuff coming out in AI. And now we're seeing predictive capabilities embedded into HR systems that deal with things like uh, predicting what's going to impact engagement or the trajectory of employee engagement. Uh, will the new benefit plan that we plan on rolling out actually cause a lot of dissatisfaction based on who, who's going to perceive that it's having an ad, uh, adverse impact on them? Uh, even SAP, I went to one of their conferences recently, they talked about introducing gender-biased decision-making and predicting that. Cornerstone On Demand is talking about predicting who's, who's a compliance risk, uh, which people working in manufacturing, blue-collar environments are not following the rules and not taking, showing up for training courses. They're going to be compliance risks. The last thing I'll say is the, kind of the end the be-all, end-all, to use a, a, kind of a silly expression here, but for predictive capabilities in the context of HR technology is prescriptive capabilities or prescriptive analytics. And that means the system is not just going to tell you or the dashboard is not just going to tell you what's likely to happen, good or bad, but what to do about what's going to happen. So we identified five key employees two levels down from the CEO in a big company that are all considered retention risks for different reasons. Here's the specific plan of action relative to each person. Uh, that's, that's, to me, the holy grail of predictive capabilities where the system guides you and what to do about it. Really interesting. So, so if we had to take the two topics that we spoke about today, and I appreciate you sharing your insight, would you suggest that AI and chatbots if if I had to boil it down for our audience, are really more focused on process automation and taking a task from beginning to end as you become more supercharged, maybe getting a little bit more specific and detailed to the particular individual <clears throat> as opposed to a global process, whereas predictive analytics is looking globally at the organization and it would probably be more of something that's strategic in nature around how I can impact my company by looking at the data and comparing it to other data sources that are out there. Is that a fair assessment or am I, it's not just fair, I not listening? It's, uh, <laughs> it's not just fair, Mark, but uh, all kidding aside, I think uh, in, the next, uh, in the next podcast we do together, we'll reverse roles because that was extremely well stated. Uh, yes, chatbots, which is kind of the lowest level of AI before you get into machine learning, et cetera, is going to handle uh, and focus on tasks and, uh, and, and processes, like onboarding process. Tons of uh, opportunity there for, for bots to 
be guiding an employee that has a lot of questions about what forms to fill out, what courses to take. Uh, even something as simple as a manager that has employees spread out across the country or the world, uh, just uh, you know, putting in a simple question into the bot, who showed up for work today in, uh, in, in Tulsa, Oklahoma? So, yeah, that's, in a sense, fairly tactical stuff, but it does contribute a lot to productivity and improving productivity. In contrast, as you well pointed out, uh, predictive capabilities, analytics in general, were always designed and intended to support strategic decisions. And when you get to predictive capabilities, you could be even more strategic. Um, you know, what, what's going to impact profitability? That relates to human capital management. Uh, and profitability ties in with productivity and engagement and so forth. So you're 100% right. Well, I, I like to boil it down because I am I'm not smart enough to use the big words that you use, Steve. So uh, I, I dumb it down a little bit, and uh, hopefully it sounds like maybe I, I hit the nail on the head. But some awesome stuff and certainly a, a very exciting time to be involved in this space and uh, can't wait to see where things come uh, or go. I would suggest that uh, the scary nature of them uh, is certainly out there. I think people can say, hey, you know, do I really want computers going that far? But I think as they start to to uh, drip into the systems, you'll you'll see more and more demand. Uh, really appreciate you taking the time again, Steve. I think this is really uh, informative, and hopefully our audience can walk away from this call, you know, understanding a little bit more and maybe able to throw out some of those acronyms that you uh, presented to us at some meetings and uh, prove some credibility. So thanks again. Uh, I appreciate it, Steve, and thank you to the audience for joining us. Uh, have a great day. Thanks. Take care.